This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. What's up, everyone? We're here with another episode of The Hardwood Knocks. This is Adam Frommel, joined by Dan Favalli and Andy Bailey, as well as the first guest on our podcast. It is Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball. So obviously, as you could probably guess from that website title, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Mavericks today. It's kind of a strange offseason for them. I think the biggest headline was the whole DeAndre Jordan fiasco, hostage situation, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of other interesting moves. I mean, we had Wesley Matthews signed to a gigantic contract. We had Darren Williams come aboard after he cut ties with the Brooklyn Nets. He's kind of still searching for what they're going to do at center. Zaza Pachulia is the placeholder. So let's turn it over to Kirk right at the beginning. What were your overall thoughts on this offseason? It was kind of like dealing through the uh, five stages of grief. Uh, There was a lot going on. iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. (laughs) In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. In a short period of time, much to process. I, I was really happy to participate in probably the greatest social media day in the history of Twitter with DeAndre Jordan's backing out of his contract. That was a lot of fun in retrospect. At the time, it was really awful. It was it was, it was like um, 
being slowly broken up with by your girlfriend in high school. Like she wouldn't actually tell you that it was over, but like you knew that it was over. Uh, the, the, the days since have been a little weird because it was kind of a sense of grief because I'm of the opinion that we may be staring Dirk Nowitzki's last season in the face. The team rebounded well enough uh, to put together a squad that will, I think they just missed the playoffs, but I think they will be the kind of team that's really fun to watch on a given night. They might be kind of like a league pass alert team because they should put up, you know, 100 points, but they might be the worst rebounding team in the league. It's going to be a really weird year is, is the short story. I love everything you just said. Like, I don't even want to expand on it because it was it was so good. And I'm really glad that you talked about the DeAndre Jordan Twitter fiasco because I had a blast tweeting out memes and, and random dialogues that weren't actually happening. I loved Blake Griffin's tweet with the, with the chair up in front of the door. And I was just interested to see what Mavericks fans were sort of thinking about during it because it was probably a blast for the rest of us, including Clippers fans. But to think that you had this center and everyone else – is not only seeing it unravel, but they're almost having fun at Dallas's expe- expense. What what was sort of going through your mind at, at the time of that? Besides, really the five stages of grief, like just in that moment, was it really hard to watch? Did you enjoy it at the time at all? No, it was awful at the time, and I was somewhat <laughs> obsessed with figuring out uh, who knew what and when. You know, it was like it was like breaking down a like a. a a crime procedural because you know it, there there had to have been something going on you know when did DeAndre Jordan make up his decision who was he on that date with all of that nonsense like I was obsessed with the narrative and I'm normally a person who shuns narrative in favor of watching basketball but I I was I, I was I, I remember it because it was a Wednesday and I worked from home that Wednesday and I sat where I'm sitting right now for 12 hours my wife came home from work and she was somber because she knew I was mad and just <laughs> let me sit here and watch it it was it was you know years from now I'll be happy that that happened because it was a once in a like like sports lifetime experience but oh god it was so bad at the time yeah I was actually out rock climbing with some friends when when it was all unfolding and I remember just I kept going to my phone to try and see what was happening next. I mean, we just had these visions of like Mark Cuban driving around angrily throughout Houston, like trying to find an address. So I'm curious, as a Mavs fan, what was the most bizarre part of that sequence? The most bizarre part of that sequence had to have been Chris Broussard insisting that Cuban was doing a thing that he wasn't doing. Like, like Mark Cuban is many things, and, and I love him as an owner, as a big picture, but he has frustrated me to death the last several years. That aside, he's, he's known for his honesty. There's no reason he would lie about some of the things that were going on that night. And Broussard's insistence to the point that ESPN had to ask him to make a public apology was very strange because, you know, I don't have any sources because I'm not a real journalist, but I imagine having to deal with that sort of thing and that sort of like hyper, uh, you know, there's so much going on and you're just trying to get a story right has to be really uncomfortable. So going with that story, particularly when it was clear that it was the Clippers feeding him that information, it was really awkward and uncomfortable. That was about the only solace I took. You know, because I knew that Cuban wasn't actually embarrassing himself the way that Broussard insisted. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. That's awesome. I, <laughs> Broussard and all of his sources is always fun for me to kind of hear about and talk about. Um, but looking forward to what they actually have now. So they, they kind of recover in the sense that they get Zaza Pachulia, JaVale McGee, 
a couple of wild guards, wild cards. Um, we were just trying to figure out how to pronounce the name of <laughs> Sala Majiri. Sala Medri, who I don't know. They also sang Dalembert, who I totally forgot. Um, who falls asleep in team meetings. <laughs> what do you think about what they have there, that platoon of centers? Like, is there anything to be optimistic about with that group? Before they signed Sam Dallenberg and JaVale McGee, I was a little excited, um, primarily because it looked like there was going to be some unknowns in the situation. You bring in a JaVale McGee and a Sam Dallenberg, you know what you're going to get more or less. It's yeah. and, and Dallas, and particularly Rick Carlisle, loves to rely on known quantities to the point to where I really think it, it, it can harm the team's production. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that they brought in all these guys that are probably going to end up in the D league. And then they'll have this uh, very interesting, like bizarre 15 man rotation where all 15 guys could make us an argument for minutes as the season goes on. And I think that's really going to hurt them because in the NBA, you really have to have a rotation of, of, of eight to 10 guys. And I think he's Rick is, is so easily frustrated by his players that I think he's going to go to kind of a platoon system, which will cost them games as the year goes on. First, I just want to say that as an Atlanta Hawks fan, I can't even begin to explain how much the city of Atlanta loves Zaza Pachulia. You know, just total cult hero because he's going to give his all every single game. And he's one of those guys that really, truly maximized his physical potential. Um, but you're saying that, that Rick Carlisle loves his known commodities. And now at point guard, arguably the most important position in today's league, he has a complete unknown. You know, we, we know what Darren Williams was. We know what he's been the last couple of seasons. We have no idea what he's going to be now. I think an underreported story uh, out of this offseason is is that, you know, just because the Mavs no longer have Rajon Rondo, going to Darren Williams, it's not exactly like they're upgrading with a guy with a, a sunny disposition who's known to get along with his coaches. I mean, like Williams forced one of the greatest coaches of all time into retirement. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to to that subplot as the season goes on. I do think that it's an interesting opportunity for Williams because I think that he'll get a, a fair number of looks and the offense will be the kind of thing that he'll be able to thrive in where he at least gets uh, good looks playing with Dirk and an opportunity to kind of redeem himself a little bit. I'm hoping for something in the neighborhood of like a 13 and six and a half assist kind of season. But I mean, he could do better. He could do worse too. His ankles, you know, they're the total unknown. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting you projected a stat line because I actually put that out on Twitter. I think it was yesterday or something like. And I, I'm going to pose this to all to everybody in the group. Um, what what and I got a wide variety of responses um, from Twitter, so I'm interested to hear what everybody says to this. What would Darren Williams have to do um, stat line or just whatever comes to your mind for this first season in Dallas to be considered a success? Um, let's kick it off with Adam. I kind of want to cop out here and not predict a specific stat line for him and say that it's more about him blending in with the team and accepting a role as a lesser piece. You know, he's been, he's been a superstar for so long. He was still a big name in Brooklyn even as he was declining. And he's going to have to accept that he isn't going to be the focal point of that team. I mean, even in his advancing years, it's still going to run through Dirk. We're going to see a lot of Wes Matthews and Chandler Parsons. And if he's willing to accept that and play the role of facilitator even more than he has in the past, that's a success to me. Dan? 
Yeah, I don't want to cop out either and go with Adam, but I sort of have to. I think he's in a really good situation because Rick Carlisle does a tremendous job of adjusting to his players or just building the right system around them. I know he can be kind of bullish on he wants to make calls, and I think that's why him and Rondo clashed, and point guards do need to play a specific style. But D. Will is going to see a lot more pick-and-roll action. He's going to have a chance to hit some spot-up threes. And those are two things he really couldn't do in Brooklyn because their offense was so archaic and stagnant. So just playing in this more inventive atmosphere, I think he has an opportunity to improve a great deal. He's never going to be a superstar again, but if we're going to talk specific numbers, is it out of the realm of possibility that he goes for 15 points and 6 or 7 assists while shooting 35-plus percent from deep? In this system, no. I don't think it is if he, if he remains healthy and as long as he buys into what Carlisle is going to be preaching. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, that's probably around where I would predict his stat line too, somewhere around 15 and 7. And I think Kirk and Dan have both touched on it now, like the possibility of Carlisle and Williams butting heads, and I think it's there. But I also think um, that Williams might be a different player than he was in Utah when he forced Jerry Sloan out. Like, if you look at the last few years in Brooklyn, that could have been a big humbling experience for him. And it depends on whether or not he views it that way. Um, but if he, you know, if he does view it as a humbling experience, he comes into Dallas with his eyes open, ready to listen and ready to kind of follow his coach for once. I think he has a chance to be very successful um, in this season or in this system. What do you think, Kirk? That's really my hope uh, because he's so talented. Um, I've actually, I grew up in the Dallas area and he and I graduated high school the same year. So I've basically followed his career since he was, you know, 15 years old. Um, and he's such a talented guy. And I think that, that now he's coming into a situation where the expectations for him are relatively low, particularly after and filling a, a position that really has flamed out for Dallas the last few years. I do understand that, that, uh, Rick Carlisle was a bit spoiled by Jason Kidd and his reputation for, for being hard on point guard is, is well deserved. But I think that Williams fits the mold of a player that, that he could coach well just because of his shooting ability and his ability to see the floor. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for Williams in Dallas. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that Williams wasn't really the only big free agent addition uh, this offseason. Uh, for me, Wes Matthews is probably the biggest X factor for this team. We, we've seen uh, from all over the place that players coming back from an Achilles injury do not tend to fare well. But the Mavericks really need for him to simply because they don't have any other options. I mean, if he's not going to be playing the two, who is? You're looking at J.J. Barea, Devin Harris, John Jenkins, maybe Justin Anderson in a, a really big lineup. So I, if, if for no other reason than positional necessity, he has to do a lot for this team, I think. Yeah, they, they really think, need his recovery to break, right? Go ahead, Kirk. No, that's fine. I think you're probably right, but I think from what we're hearing and what we're kind of assuming is that he may not even play a game in a Mavericks uniform until 2015, which, considering their early November slate is absolutely brutal, they may be playing from behind for most of the season. I, I think with giving him as much money as they have, they're going to probably play it fairly cautiously, uh, but from what you know, I understand uh, about Wes Matthews is he's a guy who really wants to get out there and grind and play hard. So I think that that if he if he's able to give them you know 55 games, 
then it has to be considered a success regardless of his numbers because, you know, coming off that sort of injury, I, there's really nobody that's been this young that's that's come back in a manner that's that's even, you know, somewhat acceptable. So if he's able to give them, you know, 25 minutes a night this year while putting up, you know, any sort of, you know, offensive output, I think it's going to be a plus sign for, for the Mavericks. I'm kind of interested in what you think about this because it seems like there's a, a strange dichotomy between philosophies here. You know, with Wes Matthews, we want to delay the return to ensure that he's healthy for the rest of that contract and to make sure that he doesn't suffer any sort of big relapse. But you mentioned at the very start of this that you think this could be Dirk's last season. And those are kind of conflicting ideas now because obviously Dallas is going to want to, to make some noise during Dirk's final season and send him out on, on the high note that he deserves. So do you think that there's going to be any give and take between those two? Are they going to end up leaning in one direction over the other via trades? I probably should have been a little bit more clear. I think there's a little bit of causality into Dirk's retirement, potential retirement, that would have to do with the fact that this season might be another struggle for the Mavericks. Um, I think he's the kind of player Dirk is that could play three more years if they were to rotate guys in that could assume some of the offensive load. But I mean, he he's is he 38 now? I mean, he he's very he's he's 37, 38 years old, and asking him to be the number one option really just isn't fair for what he's able to do. I mean, he he still is able to score 20 points a game if they wanted to, but by game 45, 50, he he's going to be out of gas. And I think that's what really stinks because, you know, you have Wes Matthews probably needing to wait out time uh, in order to get healthy. And then Dirk having to shoulder more of the load than, than is really uh, fair to his uh, ability at this point in time. You brought up uh, Dirk as a number one option, too. And this is another question that I think is really interesting about the Mavericks. Um, he wasn't the number one option last season. That was Monte Ellis, who's gone. Um, we've talked about Darren Williams. Uh, we've talked about Wesley Matthews. We haven't really touched on Chandler Parsons. Um, is there any way to know who the number one option is on this team? Who it, who should it be? Um, you know, who who has the potential to fill that role? Does anybody? I think they'd like Parsons too, particularly at his salary. He he's going to be one of the highest paid guys in the team outside of of Wes Matthews. I'm not sure though that that's really his role. That's he bad. he really started the season poorly and finished very very strong before hurting his knee. Uh, but I still think his his skill set is one as a facilitator and, and, and secondary shot maker, asking him to run the offense and score 18 points a game is simply something I don't think he's built for both mentally or physically. What do you guys think about that, Dan and Adam? On just basically who, who would, who would be your number one option on this roster? Uh, it's going to have to, I don't know if you can say that there is one. If you're going to milk a guy who's going to have the highest shot totals, I still think it'll probably be Dirk, especially when you're talking about early on, uh, Kirk even said Wesley Matthews might not be ready. Chandler Parsons is still going to be working his way back. Darren Williams is probably going to look to pass a little bit more, I would think, as he's adjusting to the offense. But it's going to have to be sort of that success-by-committee system that the 2012-2013 Denver Nuggets sort of championed. I don't see this team winning 57 games like that Nuggets team did. I don't see these Mavericks playing nearly as fast. But the ball sort of moved, and everyone took their turn and took the shot when they had it, and that's what this offense is going to have to look like. And that's not a bad thing because, and Kurt can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's sort of Carlisle's style is to get 
everyone involved. And of all the things we're talking about, the injuries, the future, I am least worried about the offense. This team ranked 20th in defensive efficiency last season, and I think you can argue that they got a lot worse than they did. Who is their rim protector right now, their best rim protector? JaVale. Yeah, and what, <laughs> are they going to rank in the bottom five of defensive efficiency? And if so, what's the type of win total we're looking at? I'm going to defer to Kirk here, but I, I know Adam looks like he's going to jump off his chair too. So what do you guys think about this? I think Kirk just declared himself the best rim protector. I don't know if anybody else saw that. I did not. I actually thought he was raising his hand to talk. It's, no, it's no. a legitimate claim, I think. <laughs> Listen, I, I, think take, I take charges. I, I can take charges outside of the restricted area. So that'll be, that'll be my role can in Dallas. Can you shoot free throws center. better than JaVal? I feel like you can. One, one would hope. Adam, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that in answer to, uh, to Andy's original question, I'm totally on board with Dan. And one of the, the few reasons I feel any shreds of optimism about this team's uh, potential this season is that they do have a bunch of pieces that can go off on any given night. You know, they're probably not going to have that consistent number one score, but you could be looking at a week of games where they have four different leading scorers. And to me, that's a good thing. I mean, we, we look at a lot of the teams that are starting to find more success. You know, the Warriors did have Steph and Clay Thompson, but they also spread the ball around a lot. The Spurs always have. The Hawks found so much success when they started doing that. So to me, that's a good thing. Yeah, I've described their offense as the equivalent of a spread offense in football. It's very much a read and react, and it's it's predicated on having ball handlers who are willing to make fast, simple decisions. That was when Chandler Parsons finally started to succeed, when he realized that, no, he didn't just have to stand there in the corner like he would in Houston. Rather, he should get the ball, take one decisive dribble, throw a lob to, uh, to Tyson Chandler or, you know, put up a floater or pass the ball around the, the, uh, the um, outside of the three-point line. So the, the Mavericks really could be fun offensively, but defensively they're going to be a disaster. Um, I learned this during the summer. Tyson Chandler grabbed 25% of the team's total rebounds. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a fun stat and not a good one for them. Hey, they got Maurice in the door. They're going to be fine. <laughs> um, I mean, what Kirk is saying is just true. Their defense is going to be absolutely awful. I think it's going to be in the bottom five. It'll definitely be in the bottom seven. I think you can argue that their offense is going to be at least just as good as it finished last season. I think they wound up ranking fifth, so they'll probably fall off there. But the two guys they're going to have playing guards, let's, let's say once Matthews is healthy and then you have Darren Williams, they're way better shooters than Ray John Rondo and Monte Ellis, and that should help with the way that the Mavericks run their offense. But let's assume this team stays fairly healthy. We'll have to take into account that Matthews probably won't be ready to start the season or might not even play in 2015. What is their win total in this Western Conference? I'm going to go to Kirk first, as his eyes just went super wide. Uh, of the Mavericks faithful, I'm probably the most consistently dark. I tend to think that they will aim in the 35 win total because they they one of the, the the things they're looking to do is get out from underneath this pick that they owe the Celtics. Uh, so unless they're absolutely god awful, they're probably going to try to be competitive. I, I think somewhere like 10th in the West with 35 to you know, 38 games is the most likely. What are you thinking, Bales? 
I th- I'm thinking around 40, and here's why. Um, the Mavericks have had kind of like a hodgepodge, mishmash roster basically every season since they won the title in 2011. And every time, somehow Rick Carlisle finds a way to make it work uh, to some extent. And so I, with this roster, I'm not sure he can make it work to the point of like 45, 50 wins in a playoff berth. Um, but I still definitely think they'll be in the hunt for 500 just because I think he's that good of a coach, and I, I do think there is still some natural talent there. Farrell, I promise I'm not, not just sucking up to our guest here, but I totally agree with him. I think 35 might even be a little bit optimistic. Uh, I'm really concerned about the center position. Their second unit looks like it could be composed of Devin Harris, J.J. Barea, Justin Anderson, Charlie Villanueva, and D'Alembert, which really that concerns me. You. <laughs> not at all, not at all. So I, I'm going to agree with 10th, maybe falling to 11th in the West. Yeah, I think that's fair. 38, 37-38 seems to be uh, where I'd go with this team, just because of, like Bale said, Carlisle's a mastermind with that. And it's going to be interesting, Kirk. Is he a coaching free agent after this season, or is it after next season? No, it's this season, and you actually got me thinking, is, is it possible to trade a coach mid-season should he decide that he hates his roster <laughs> because like there's really like Rick Carlisle is kind of underrated in terms of being a legitimately you know grumpy individual just because there's some real characters in the NBA but I put him up there with Popovich in terms of being a guy who's just so like visual with his frustration on his team because he's been to the mountaintop and he knows what excellent guard play is and he just gets so frustrated, and it's really funny to watch as a fan. Uh, you also have to tack on the fact that, unlike the Spurs, he has not enjoyed continuity with the Mavericks over the last half decade or so with the way their roster has changed. And yeah, I think this is sort tough. of a yeah, I think this is sort of a fun stat, sort of you know, Mavericks offseason in a nutshell. Um, their top four guys in net rating last year are all gone, aren't on the team th- this year. You were looking at right. Uh, Brandon Wright, Jameer Nelson were traded midseason. Uh, Al Manu and Tyson Chandler went elsewhere in free agency. So that is something to consider as well. But we are running short on time, which means that we are going to move along to... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! All right, so I'm going to grab the Burns My Bacon mic. And I'm actually going to diverge from basketball, and, and this is really all sports, and it might fall under the status of just life in general. This trophy thing that's going on with James Harrison taking away from his kids a participation trophy, have we all completely lost our minds? Participation trophies are not a bad thing. At the very least, they're not a detrimental thing. I can understand the point where you don't want to teach kids that they get rewarded when something doesn't go right or the way it's supposed to or that you want them to be competitive. But they're kids. They're supposed to have fun. And above all else, hey, they're not stupid. You know, when I was six or seven years old, I got participation trophies, and I didn't take them being like, wow, this is because I'm the MVP. I looked around, saw the other couple hundred kids getting the same darn trophy, and I knew that it was a participation trophy and that this was a symbol of the hard work I presumably put in. So unless his kids were literally just digging holes when games were going on and doing nothing, I see no reason to take away these trophies. And I'm absolutely outraged that it's even a discussion. I don't have kids of my own, thank God. (laughs) I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Kids are smarter than we're giving them credit for. 
I'm not going to go as far as to say that participation trophies are a must, but they're certainly not a bad thing. Can you guys smell that? Yes, I can smell it. I'm going to yank every participation trophy my daughter gets away from her as soon as she walks in the door. But that's only because she's going to win all the MVPs, so that's, that's okay. Right. Okay. Or going to resent you later on. It's going to be one of those. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find the, the sweet spot, the balance or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts on that, Kirk, the trophy uh, fiasco? I'm at this odd point in my life where I'm about 30, and so I have interns who are so much younger than me that they don't get cultural references. Like, I had to explain to some of them what Can't Hardly Wait was last week. So (laughs) I'm really in a, like, I'm in a frustrating place where I find all, like, 18 to 22-year-old people very annoying. Um, So so I'm really not a good person to ask this to because I had had an intern uh, who showed me a writing sample last week, a cover letter. Um, and in his cover letter, he wrote that he was an excellent writer. So if you have to put like, what I really need is everyone to have more self-awareness, which I guess is lost upon the young. So I'm not sure if, if participation trophies really play into that, but, uh, I, I, I'm just, uh, someone needs to get me one of those, you know, get off my lawn signs because I'm slowly getting way too old. I think I'm starting to enter that phase too. Um, and so as, we all are grumpy old men here. Um, that's Speak for good... yourselves. <laughs> you were I'm just glad grumpy. I'm not 22. Yeah. <laughs> this um, is a sour note, but we're going to end the uh, podcast on it. Um, as we always do, that's the point of the Burns My Bacon segment, I guess. Um, to depress you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andy Bailey. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. Adam is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And our special guest, Mavericks expert Kirk Henderson, is on Twitter as well, at Kirk Serious Face. Um, you can find us all on there if you want to you know, share your thoughts or questions from this podcast. We'd love to interact with you. And uh, thanks for tuning in. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price dollars 0% APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
$30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone 10R with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. At Simple Mobile, you get the no-contract advantage. Those other mobile companies make you think you're in control, but you're really not. They lure you in with shiny new phones and then lock you into long-term agreements. But Simple Mobile is different. You can get a 30-day plan starting at $25. You can also get the latest smartphones, or if you have a compatible phone you love, you can bring it. Just text BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. It's the reliability you need when you need it. All on a powerful nationwide 5G network. With no mystery fees, no activation fees, and no contract ever. All for less money and no contract ever. 5G-capable device and SIM required. Actual availability and coverage and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speed not yet available. Message and data rates may apply. Visit simplemobile.com slash privacy policy for privacy policy. Service plan required for activation. Terms at simplemobile.com.